You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today as we finish out the Word Sermon Series. I love to hear just people's stories and, and how God is moving through them. And so uh, two very different backgrounds, different people, and yet the thing that unites them is, is just the power of God's Word in their life and how it began to transform them. And so we want to continue in that train of thought today. As Greg mentioned earlier, um, next week you're going to want to invite family and friends. You're going to want to uh, pour in a lot of effort this week to try to get um, everybody on Facebook and Twitter to, to get here next Sunday as uh, we, we, we preach the gospel. Nathan Smith is a, is a hoot, man. You're going to enjoy him. He's a lot of fun and uh, it's going to be a great day. We're going to see a lot of people come to know Christ. I'm expecting God to move uh, that day. This Thursday is also a Camp 3 course uh, entitled How to Study the Bible. And so as we are continuing just kind of getting our hands around God's Word and really uh, practically uh, understanding how we can read it and apply it and, and uh, create that habit in our life, uh, this course is going to be great. If you're in God's Word, it's going to take you to the next level. And if you're not reading, you're not in that habit yet, it's going to give you some practical tools to get started. So I encourage you to do that. Um, so as I said, this is part three of this series. We began this series by uh, really asking the question, can we trust God's word. Can we trust it to be from God? Can we trust that it's telling us the truth? And, and obviously, yes, we can trust that this is a God-inspired, God-breathed uh, word to us. And so the second week, we looked at why it's important. So several reasons why God's word is important and applicable to our lives today. And, and we went over the REAP guide, how you can really get the most out of God's word in that time uh, that you spend uh, with him. And, and then today, we want to focus on how God's word changes us. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Hebrews chapter four. It's where I want to begin uh, in just a moment. But, you know, as, as I speak to different people, especially throughout this series about their routine and, and a lot of people jumping into God's word uh, for the first time, and, and that's exciting and seeing how he's beginning to move. And, you know, one of the things I often hear from people that are just starting is, is that they don't feel like anything is changing they don't feel like, you know, they're getting anything from, from God's word in the beginning. And so usually I'll kind of follow up that train of thought with, you know, well, what's your routine? And, and uh, nine times out of 10, I always kind of get this response that, you know, life is busy and kind of got a chaotic life and a lot of different things are going on. And so people are usually kind of, kind of rushing through the Bible rushing through that time with God. And so, you know, naturally, if you're kind of rushing through, if you're speeding through that time, if you're just kind of skimming a lot of verses, um, then it's not going to be very effective. There are some things in life that you just can't rush and reading God's word is one of them. I was reminded of that truth this week uh, when I went to the dentist. Um, how many of you guys like to go to the dentist? Anybody? There was like Okay, so three people total out of a thousand people today. So um, not very many people uh, enjoy going to the dentist. Now listen, we've got some dentists that, that go to our church. So in all fairness to you guys, we love you as people, you know, <laughs> we love you as people. But when we come to see you in your office, we don't like you, you know, because you hurt us with sharp objects and then you make us lie to you because they always ask, so are you flossing? And it's like, I, mean, I don't want to lie. So instead of lying, sometimes we just kind of mumble and it's just like, 
You know, it's just like kind of word, you know, sounds that come out because we don't want to lie. But no, we, you know, most of us aren't doing that. And and uh, you know, I I told my my daughter, she's in kindergarten. My youngest daughter, I said I was going to eat lunch with her. And so, um, you know, you can't be late to that. Their lunches are so you know short anyway. You can't be late. And she was so excited, so I couldn't miss. But I had the dentist appointment prior to the lunch, and so um, I'm waiting for my time to go back. You know, and they're behind schedule, and so I get back there really, really late. So now I'm pressed for time to get to lunch with my daughter. And so I made a rookie mistake. I sat in the chair and I told the girl, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm really in a hurry today. I've got to meet my daughter for lunch. And so I don't have much time. I got to leave by 1030. And she goes, oh, okay, no problem. We'll, 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 we'll do it. So she goes over to get her sharp object, right? And now listen, you never want to give permission to a dentist who has a sharp object to hurry anything that's going on in your grill. You know, you don't want to give them permission to do that. And, and so here's what she did for the next, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. She was rushing through this cleaning and she was like a four-year-old scribbling in a coloring book with that sharp thing on my gums and my teeth. And it was so painful. And she was, she elbowed me one time in the head because she was so fast. The water squirt little thing was squirting all over the place, squirting me in the eye. The little suction cup thing got stuck on my neck. <laughs> You know, put a big hickey on my neck. It's like, oh, this is not good. Well, this one's from Micah, but you know, that one. But anyway, just kidding. So like by the end of it, you know, I'm a dude. So I wasn't like saying anything. I was just holding on for dear life and like, you know, just grin. Yeah, man, it was so painful. And so here's what we know. There are some things in life you just can't rush. And getting your teeth cleaned is one of them. So never make that mistake. I'll never tell them to hurry or I'm never telling them I'm in a rush. And you know, when we come to God's word, sometimes we're tempted just to rush through it. We're tempted just to breeze through it, kind of skim it. And um, you know, when we do that, we're not capturing all that God has for us. We're missing the opportunity. We're missing out on the Holy Spirit transforming us and changing us and learning something new. And so sometimes it's not, you know, how much we're actually reading. Sometimes it's actually, you know, the, the quality of what we are reading that, that is really valuable and that's really important for us. And so uh, with that in mind, I want us to begin to think through, you know, why it's important to read our Bible and, and, and how it can change us. And, and so often I, I, I hear people say, you know, Trent, really, do I really have to read it because you're teaching it to us every week? You know, you're teaching us, so why do, why do I have to do this? And I just ask you this question to think about it before we dive in. So, so what are your goals in your life? What are your goals for your life in a year from now, three years, five years down the road? Because listen, if, you're, if one of your goals is not to increase in character, if one of your goals, if you're a married person, is not to become a better husband or a better wife, if your goal is not to please God, then by all means, you don't really need the word of God. You don't really need to read it. However, if your expectations for life are high like mine, I want to be even better. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better leader. I want to know Jesus on a deeper, more intimate, personal level. I want to experience all that he has for me. I want to look at him in the eyes one day and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And folks, if that is, is your goal, if that's what the desire of your heart really is, then, then there is no question the value of understanding God's word and pouring your heart into it and, and allowing God to transform you through it is necessary. There's no other way that you're gonna get or reach those goals apart from the spirit of God working in your life. 
D.L. Moody was a famous pastor in Chicago um, about 100 years ago, and he said this. He said, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. You know, sometimes we look at the Bible as just, you know, a, a way for us to gain knowledge or, or just to learn some, some cool things. But, but here's the deal. You know, when we look at God's word as just information, we miss the, the whole power behind it. God has given us his word so that it would change us. So we would begin to transform and become more like him. So it's through our word that that takes place. And so let me give you four ways that the Bible changes our life. Let's first look at Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. Here's what it says. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing Soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I mean, this is powerful. This is a powerful verse that the the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Like it's cutting to the very root of our problems. It's cutting to dividing our thoughts and our attitudes. So that's how powerful this book is. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to get. So so God's word changes us because he's the initiator of change. He's the initiator of change. His word is alive and it's active. Jesus is the initiator or the founder of our faith. So it's through knowing him, it's through that relationship that we experience this life and and he's the founder of salvation. It's nothing that I did. It's nothing that you did to generate, you know, some some hope in God's eyes to say, oh, I mean, Trent's gonna be a nice dude, so let me me save him. It's not that at all. Jesus is the founder of, of, of salvation, of faith. He calls us and then he's also the perfecter of that. So he calls me and then he, he makes me who he wants me to be. So he is the initiator of this change. And so God's word is alive. It is active. The word alive there literally means that it has living power. So it causes me to come alive. It causes my soul to come alive. My relationships come alive. It's through this living power that I'm able to live the life that God has called me to live. I can't live it apart from knowing him and experiencing him in my life. God's word is alive and it's active. The Greek word for active there is the word energase. That's where we get our word energy or energize. And so I don't need a five hour energy drink. I need the word of God in my life because it brings me energy and power to live for him. It brings me energy to be a better dad. It brings me energy to wanna be a better leader. So it's through that active power that that God gives me the energy to serve him and to love him and to move towards him, to be active on his mission. So God's word is alive. It is active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It says that it's it's penetrating our soul and our spirit. You can read a lot of self-help books to give you some advice on things that you need to cut out or things that you need to stop doing. But the word of God is the only thing will cut to the root issue the very foundation of your problem, the sin that is in your life that is causing all the havoc and all the stress in your life. And and so it's God's word that that penetrates to our deepest feelings and and deepest motives and and deepest attitudes. And it's because of this, when people ask me, hey, I've got a son and he's doing this or a daughter or a spouse or whoever that's doing this and that, and I don't ever think they're gonna change. Trent, do you think God could change them? 
my response every time is absolutely. God's word and God's spirit can change anyone and anything. It penetrates the hardest hearts. God's word penetrates the most calloused human beings. It's God's word that that breaks down the proud, the arrogant, and he allows this humility to come upon us through the living, active word of God. Yes, God can change us. Here's the power of God's word, Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. It says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So God's word is, is, is here saying that when God's word is spoken, when God's word is shared in written form, the very purpose that God has to accomplish in writing that word or speaking that word, he always accomplishes. His purposes are always accomplished. He always succeeds with his words. And so here's, here's the problem though. Sometimes we just think that it's not working or, or it's not doing what it's supposed to do. But the, the, the truth of the matter is God is accomplishing the things that he wants to accomplish in us every time we go to his word. He's, he's succeeding through his word. It's effective every time. There's a story of an old lady who lived way out in the country and there was this uh, carpet, I'm sorry, a vacuum cleaner salesman that um, came to her house, knocked on her door and, and gave her one of those high-pitched salesman type deals. He's very pushy and he jumped in and started talking about the product and she couldn't, she couldn't you know, jump in and say anything. He just kept speaking and he said, let me give you a demonstration. I, I believe in this vacuum cleaner so much, I wanna show you what it's gonna do. It's gonna clean up anything that we throw on your carpet. So he reached in his bag and he dumped a bunch of uh, dirt and grime and he just kept reaching his bag and throwing all kinds of gross stuff on the carpet. And he said, I'm going to show you, ma'am, this vacuum cleaner is the greatest vacuum cleaner you have ever said, uh, you've ever seen. It's going to suck up all this dirt. And if it doesn't, I will personally eat this dirt up with a spoon. And the woman finally interrupted him and said, well, son, you better start eating because we ain't got no electricity. (laughs) Got no electricity. Man, it's a shame when you come to find out that your product doesn't come through on its promises. When your product can't do what you claim it can do. See, we never run into that with the Bible because God's word always accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish. We always know that it's effective. God's word always comes through on its promises. God's word is always effective. It's always powerful. And so when we go to God's word, we can know that it's going to succeed. And so when I'm reading to my kids, I'm reading the Bible and they're running around crazy. And when I see how they live their life and they make mistakes and stuff, and I wonder, I look at my wife and I'm like, is this working? I mean, when we read the Bible and they still, it doesn't seem like they're getting it. I come to this verse. I'm like, yes, God's word always succeeds and it's accomplishing the purpose that it's set out to accomplish. And so I'm gonna continue to do that. In my own personal life, I might not, may not feel like it or see God around me, but I trust in his promises. We're gonna to close today with a song um, that, that the, the lyrics actually say, even when I don't see and even when I don't feel it, my hope is always gonna be in the promises that you gave to me. And that's powerful because there were so many times in my life I just, I, Man, I just don't feel like God is working or I don't see God working around me. But listen, what gets me back on track, what builds my faith is when I'm in God's word 
and I read texts like this that says God's accomplishing what he wants to do in your life today. So my faithful study, my faithful diving into that relationship, my faith grows because I'm trusting in the promise that he is doing everything that he wants to do. God initiates change. The second way that God changes us is that God's word shows me how to handle my guilt. This is a big issue. I mean, there are so many people that deal with guilt and shame and, and it's through their guilt and shame that they don't do the things that God is asking them to do and they're not doing the things that the, the Bible is asking them to do because they're living with this, this overwhelming sense of guilt and shame. And, you know, I can relate to that because there have been many seasons in my life where, man, I've just been rebellious against God. There are things that I look back on and, I mean, I, I regret and, and, you know, I think about those decisions or those things and I'm, I mean, that shame is right there to, I, you know, I put it right back on my shoulders and I te- I'm tempted to want to carry that. But I read God's word and I see that that's not the life that he's called me to live. He's not, he's not asking me to feel guilty and shameful for these things that I've, I've done in my past. In fact, God's word is, is very clear on, on how we can overcome shame and guilt in our life. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means no matter what we've done, when we go to God and seek forgiveness of those sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of those sins. Now, that means that anytime after that moment of forgiveness that I feel guilt or I feel shame, you know, that's not God saying, hey, you know, don't forget about what you did, loser. You know, remember that day? It's not God. That's my own sin or that's the enemy in my life because the Bible's clear. When God forgives us, he forgives us. He, he cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And so but that, that's a promise of God's word. So even when I don't feel forgiven, I cling to the promises of God's word that I am forgiven. And as I'm in God's word, he convinces me and he changes my spirit and my mind to accept it. Romans 8, 1 says that there is now no condemnation, none, zero, zip. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Trent, you mean all the things that I've done wrong, God's not gonna punish me for those sins? If you've accepted Christ into your life, nope. He's not gonna punish you for the sins that you've committed. He's not gonna punish you for the sins that you're gonna commit tomorrow. And the reason is because in Christ, Jesus has already been punished. He's already been punished for your sin. My sin is punished through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, so I, I, I receive that and, and I receive that forgiveness and now there's no condemnation for me. And so what we are experiencing in, in our life as a believer, when we experience shame and, and, and guilt, we're experiencing a life that God is not calling us to live. And so we wanna lay that down. We wanna receive his forgiveness. And how do we do that? Ephesians 5.25 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Listen, cleansing her, how? By the washing with water through the word. How are we cleansed? How are we washed? Through the word. It's through the reading of the word. It's through the application of the word of God that that we are cleansed. The the shame, the guilt is cleansed. The grime and dirt of our past is cleansed and we're washed clean through through the application reading of God's word in our life. It makes us clean. Thirdly, the third way God's word changes us 
is that it empowers us to live with confidence. Now, man, I, I see people all the time living life uh, with insecurities. I mean, we all have insecurities, but, but man, if we're not overcoming those insecurities, we're not becoming everything that Christ is calling us to become. We, we fear how we look. You know, we fear, are we you know, good enough for our spouse? Does he or she still love me? Am I good enough at work? You know, and so, so we live our life, you know, based on what we think we should be and, and what, what, you know, what we feel like society wants us to be. And, and so we don't live with, with strength or with confidence. We live timid. We, we don't live with confidence. We live kind of, kind of waiting for things to happen around us. But God's word calls us to live with a spirit of power. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So the spirit of God living within us as believers gives us this confidence not to live, not to live timidly, but to live with power, with love and self-discipline. And so as believers in Christ, we should live with confidence. We can live with confidence. God's word gives me power to live with confidence in who he made me to be, not what culture tells me I have to be. And so I wanna live my life according to how he's called me. And I wanna live my life according to the plan and purpose that he has for me. And, and when I'm living in that life, when I'm pursuing him, he gives me confidence. Now, now listen, I experience this a lot. I ask people to do various things in ministry here at the church. And a lot of times people will respond by saying, man, I just don't feel good enough. I don't feel you know, mature enough or strong enough or whatever. Um, and, and, and so here's the reality. You know, that's a good thing that you don't feel like you're good enough. Because anytime we feel like we're good enough, we're, we're setting ourselves up for failure. I mean, I'm not good enough to be the pastor of this church. I'm not good enough to, to teach God's word to you week in and week out. I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough. And if I ever get to the point to where I'm like, you know what? I got this thing pretty much figured out. Watch out, I'm in trouble. My confidence in, in, in standing before you every week is not in my ability or my talent. My confidence is all in God's word. That I'm convinced that everything that is true in here, everything that he teaches us in here, if I can somehow teach in, in any way, I'm trusting that God's spirit will will convince and persuade you of its power and of its truth. And so, so my confidence is not in myself, it's in him. And so when you are, are asked to serve in some way here at FC, then the challenge for you is, is to realize that it's not in my own strength, it's not in your own strength that we're serving. We are serving through the power and strength of God's truth and power in our life. God's word gives us the power to live with confidence. Now, if we read a lot of self-help books, they're gonna give some good advice you're gonna read books that, that say stop worrying. That's a good advice, you know. Um, get rid of bad habits. You know, that's a good thing. We need to get rid of bad habits. You're gonna read things that say stop being negative. That's all well and good. Great advice. But at the end of the day, what those books don't provide you with is the power and strength to actually live it out. God's word actually does that. It's through the spirit of God that he allows us to, to actually live according to his plan. And so when I read the promises of God's word, when I see when God says, if you do this, if you live this way, then I'm gonna provide for you. I'm gonna protect you. I'm gonna guide you. I'm gonna bless you, all these things. And I can have confidence. I can live courageously for him that when I follow his plan, he's gonna take care of all of my needs and he's gonna allow me to live this abundant life, this life to the fullest that Christ 
calls us to live. Finally, number four, reason why God changes us or how he changes us through his word is that he equips us to grow. God's word equips us to grow. Acts chapter 20, verse 32 says, now I commit to you, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So it's through God's word, the word of his grace, which can build you up. See, God's word builds us up. It equips us, it, it allows us to grow in strength and power. And, and so when we understand what he's calling us to do, when we understand as we read his word, he's equipping us, he's training us, he's building us up, then we're able to grow. Then we're able to become the men and the women that God has called us to be. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Um, this is the scripture we've been in the last couple of weeks. I wanna focus on the last part here. All scripture is God breathed and it's useful. How is it useful? He tells us for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God's word is equipping us for the work that he's calling us to do. He's not gonna call you to do something that he hasn't equipped you to do. And so how does he do that? Well, the first word here is the word teaching. So God's word teaches us his truth. So it's God who decides what's right and what's wrong what's moral and what's immoral. As a culture, as a society, we don't get to choose what's right and wrong. We can't change that. I know our culture is, is, is trying to do that, but, but God's word clearly teaches us the difference between right and wrong. There is absolute truth and it's found in God's word. And so he teaches us what that right is, what that wrong path is. And so if you think about, you know, if you're taking a hike or if you're on a path, God's word and, and, and the truth that it teaches us shows us the path that we should be on to walk according to his plan, to walk according to the purpose that he has given to us. And so the next word is the word rebuke. So if we're walking on this path, this is, this is the, the, the true path that God uh, wants us to walk on. If we were to fall into a ditch and, 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 and so we've fallen off that path, then rebuking is, hey, you're in a ditch. You shouldn't be there. You should be back on the path. You know, rebuking is showing us where we mess up, where we're living our life incorrectly, where we're outside of, of, of God's plan and purpose for our life. And so he rebukes us through his word. He shows us where we're messing up. And so the next word is correction or correcting. And so again, God's word, we're in the ditch. God's word corrects us and says, you shouldn't be in the ditch. Bro, you should be back here on the path. This is the right path. So God's word corrects us and shows us how to get back on the right path path. And then the last word is the word training. And so God's word is training us. God's word is equipping us. God's word is building us up or growing us so that, listen, so that we don't fall off this path again back into that ditch. And so the training allows us to grow in confidence, to grow in leadership, to grow on the mission of God, to grow in our depth of relationship with him and our knowledge and understanding as we, as we follow him. And so God's word is equipping us in all of these ways. And, and as we pursue him, as we dive into his word, he shows us the right path we should walk. Now, Psalm 119, 105, very familiar verse says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. So simple, but I love the picture that it gives to us. That God's word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And so I've, I've done several hikes in the Smokies and, and um, I've, I've, 
you know, been caught in the dark. So I've, I've put the headlamp on and the, you know, the, the darkness has, has, uh, has rushed in and, and, you know, sometimes the, the fog comes in and it gets a little creepy, you know, and you're, when you're in the middle of nowhere on this trail and start hearing things in the woods and like, you know, my headlamp will, will give me the next step on the trail. But I, I you know, when I, when I'm in that situation, what I really want to do is look way down the trail, especially when I hear something. <laughs> there are bears there, you know? So what's going on up there is what I want to know. And so, so the, the idea though is how do, I, how do I get more light down the path? Well, I've got to take the next step. When I take that next step, then there's a little bit more light down the path. And then how do I get the next step taken care of? How can I look a little bit further down the path? Well, I've got to take that next step. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, when God is, is, is calling me to do something and I feel him urging me and leading me to make a decision, you know, most of the time, I don't want the next step just lit up. I want like the next 10 steps lit. Give me like the next 20 miles. Give me the next five years, God. Just show me what's going to happen. And, and if I make this decision, what's going to happen here? And let me just know everything. And it's just not how God's plan is for life. It's not how he works. He wants us to take the next step. God's word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And so he lights up for me the next step. And so I've got to be faithful in taking that step. So what is your next step? If you want God's word to truly change you, you've got to begin to take those steps that you know he's calling you to make. For some of you, it's, it's really simple. You've been coming to our church and kind of been, you know, here, not here, been attending, enjoying it, but you've not committed yourself to this church. You've, you've not partnered with us. So maybe the, the, the next step for you is, is saying, yes, I want to partner with you. I want to commit my family and myself to this church. And so base camp is your next step. In, in that process. And see, you want all these other things to happen in your life and all these great things, you know, for God to do. But at the end of the day, all those things can't take place until you take a really simple step of partnering with the church. For some of you, it's, it's a mission trip. You know, we've talked about going on mission and there's several opportunities. And every time we talk about it, you feel this urge, you feel like God is, is leading you to do that. But you always come up with a really good excuse why you can't go. Hey man, there's a hundred great excuses why you can't do that but at the end of the day if God's calling you to do it that's your next step you want this and that uh -uh. next step for some of you it's just simply giving man it's everything that you make is all spent on you and your family and your kids and it's like you don't know what generosity even looks like and you maybe you've known or there's been seasons of your life where you've given to God but currently right now you're not giving and so like the next step for you might just be to start giving you know, a percentage of what God has blessed you with. And, and it's through that step of faith that then the next step is, is, is lit for you and God will begin to show you. So listen, if you've not heard anything I've said over the last three weeks, it's kind of all just kind of over your head, you know, one ear out the other, just, just hear this. There are three things that must take place if you're going to understand this, this book, if, if you're going to experience change in your life. And the first way is you've got to learn this book. You've got to learn it. You can't just have it on your, your shelf and expect it to jump off, you know, 
through the air into your brain and change and do great things in your life. You've got to learn it, which means you've got to read it. Second thing, you've got to accept it. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of times we read things and we're like, man, that's hard to do or that's hard to accept. I, I can't do that. And, and listen, there are a lot of things in the Bible that I read and I'm like, man, it would be so much easier if that wasn't in there. <laughs> but I've got to accept it as his truth, as his word. So I learn it, I accept it. And then finally, I've got to do it. If you really want to experience Jesus in your life, if you really wanna experience transformation in your life, you've gotta learn it, you've gotta accept it, and ultimately you've gotta do what he's asking you to do. So bottom line today, at the end of the series, at the end of the sermon, anything and everything has been spoken and that you've heard, but if you don't hear anything else, hear this. For true change to take place in your life, nothing is different until you do what God says. Nothing is different until you do what God says. You've got to do what he's asking you to do to experience the life he's calling you to live. I mean, just imagine with me for a minute, what would your life look like a year from now if today you took that step of obedience and whatever it is he's asking you to do? And what would your life look like a year from now if today you decided, you know what? I'm just gonna start reading. I'm gonna get in a plan, you know, I'm gonna finish this 21 day challenge. I'm gonna read it with, with friends. I'm gonna read it with my spouse. I'm just gonna read it. I, I want this to take place. It, what would happen a year from now if you made that decision? I'm telling you what, I guarantee you'd be a different husband. You'd be a different leader. You'd be a, you'd be a different spouse. You'd be a different parent. That if you began to truly dive into God's word and you, you effectively dove into God's word, you know, every day or at least on a very consistent basis, you would begin to experience transformation in your life and everyone would notice the difference. You see, this is the thing that I want us to grasp. Like this is our opportunity to experience our creator This is our opportunity to experience transformation in our life. And and I don't wanna miss anything that God has for me. And I don't want you to miss anything that he has for you. Folks, we, we have a chance here. We have a chance to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we do that through his word. What's the next step for you? I wanna close today Uh, with a song called Your Promises. We've sang it a a few times, but I thought it was a a great way to end this series because God's promises are so true and real. And the reality is, you know, there's there's a line in the song that says, even when I don't see it, and even when I don't feel it, my hope is always gonna be in the promises that you gave to me. There are so many times when I don't see God, I don't feel God, but that's when I, I, I come back to his word. I experience the truth of his word and I realize that he is always faithful, that he is always with me, that he has always given me guidance and strength even when I don't feel it or see it. And folks, as a church and as a people, this book has to be valued as something precious. This book has to be valued as as more important to us than anything else as we pursue our relationship with Christ and as we pursue it, then then we pursue the relationships around us. 
As we, as we close in prayer today, I wanna to pray for you and I wanna encourage you to think about that next step, that, that next step that God is asking you to take and, and encourage you to take that today. And as we sing, continue just to proclaim that truth to him, that, that it's in his promises that we, we claim today and, and the truth that we rest in uh, today is in his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for your word and the truth of it. We thank you that it changes us. We thank you, God, that we have this opportunity. And so I'm praying, God, that you would give us energy, that you would give us momentum, that you would give us vision to to see the things that you want us to see, to experience the things you want us to experience in your word. I pray, God, that you would give us a hunger and desire for your truth, that this church would would, would live a recklessly abandoned life for the glory of God and, and, and through seeking his truth, Lord, that you would, would accomplish everything you want to accomplish through us. Lord, that we would reach this city, we would plant churches, God, that we would see you do something unique in our own personal hearts and lives, and then we would see it over and over again, week after week, and the people that come into this place Father, we're desperate for you. And we pray as we seek you that you would speak to us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.